1: Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast where we interview your favorite celebrities and actors from film and television, comedy, music, and more. And today, we have a very special guest. We're recording this on a Sunday, which is amazing, so (laughs) I'm glad uh, we're able to do this. But we have a very special guest. We are going to be chatting with Doug Ellen, who is the creator of a show you've probably heard of, Entourage. Entourage. But he also has a couple other podcasts that he is a part of. Hollywood Ways with Artist Breezy and Victory the Podcast uh, with Kevin Conley and Kevin Dillon. We're going to talk about all of this and more. And and I have to say, Entourage, if you've never seen it, which I would be surprised, but it was on for eight seasons, 96 episodes, uh, a Golden Globe winner, and a bunch of other things, I'm sure. Doug, welcome into the show. It's great to have you.
0: Thank you. You save the big celebrities for Sundays.
1: I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm honestly like for you and really anybody, like if I can record it on a Sunday, I'm 100 percent down. So yeah, it's um, for me.
0: So but I'll.
1: yeah. Yeah. I know you're very busy. So I want to talk about the podcast. You've got the hat on and people uh, will see this video later down the road. But Hollywood Ways. You just launched this recently, right? This is brand yeah. new project. Yeah, right, two weeks ago. So let's talk about that. It's, as I mentioned, with the artist Breezy. Uh, and you guys, this is not really entourage-centered like the other one, but more just kind of an inside look to your life and life in Hollywood, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, Breezy is, uh, she's on um, All American right now, CW show. She was on Empire. And uh, I wanted to... Uh, give people hopefully an entertaining look at, at ways to get into the Hollywood business, if that's something people aspire to. Um, and Breezy, who's, you know, 34-year-old African-American woman, very different perspective from mine. So it's an interesting combination. And we we watch movies that inspired me or her or TV shows and we talk about them. And then we talk about, you know, everything else in between of our journeys. And um, I think it's uh it's a good listen. I think uh people will be interested. And in, we're gonna do a lot of call-ins and interactive stuff on that one. And and victory obviously uh, you know, has the entourage stuff underneath it, but even that is really uh a bigger thing for us where we can talk to whoever we want. We've had, you know, athletes from DK Metcalf and Andrew Whitworth and Julius Randall and um, Mark Cuban and all sorts of different people on it. So we talk about a bunch of different things, but that's much more of a hang with your friends, fun time, and um, everybody check them out, please.
1: Yeah, we're going to put links to those in our show notes so people can access them. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about this because I think – unless you're doing a podcast like myself where you can talk to celebrities and have this conversation, I think this podcast, well, both of them, we'll start with Hollywood Ways. It is really an inside, a peek behind the curtain a little bit, because I think people in general are just fascinated uh, with the world that you're in, like, because it's so different than what most people might be familiar with.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Breezy and I are both, we really want to Uh, help as many people as we can understand what some mistakes that we've made and what some help can be for what they want to do. And also, again, obviously every one of these things has to entertain first. That has to be the priority, but you know, we really do want to see who we can help. So I get all sorts of people who call me with questions about their scripts and stuff. And I just can't sit and like DM everybody back. (laughs) Um, if we do it in in this format, it's it's working out nicely. So, you know, that only launched a couple of weeks ago and we're just getting going and figuring out exactly what it's going to be, but we're having a good time.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I subscribe to both Thanks. and absolutely, I've been following both. I'm very interested. I know you and I started out through DMs and then we connected another way. And I've, I've seen you talk about this on social media. Just as a caveat, I can imagine your DMs on both profiles have to just get bombarded with people asking a million different questions. And, and this is a good way to mitigate some of that, hopefully. So people aren't just constantly yeah. blowing up your phone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, You know, I
0: shut down my uh, inbox for like six months. Cause it was just, it was, it was getting too much. And I really do like to respond to the best of my ability. And that's why, you know, someone like you, I like, I'll get on a podcast with someone I don't know at least once a week, you know, I'll respond to someone randomly again, mostly on the Hollywood ways site because I really don't look at mine or the victory one they're just too many things. but uh you know I had some people when I was young who were willing to talk to me um, that helped me you know get where I am so I, I try to I try to a give back and be offer any insight that that might help somebody you know
1: Yeah, I think that's important because when you look at somebody like yourself or any celebrity or writer or producer you you see, where they're at right now but then there's that big mystery of well how did they get to where they are and then they talk about it a little bit sometimes barry cats he did like a master class where you can essentially like a patreon where he gives advice and you can buy into that and sort of get that help but then there's I mean, there's your way of doing it, which I think is great, too. Have you ever thought about doing like a something like that? I know you probably get pitched a million ideas. I'm just very curious. Like because, a master class? Yeah, or something like a Patreon where people can pay to get more. Because I'm sure, I know you're very busy, obviously. Yeah. So um, not that you need one more project <laughs> on your plate, I, per I se. I mean, to be
0: honest with you, I, I, I don't even know really know what that stuff is. But with Hollywood Ways, you know, um, same with Victory. I didn't start either of them out to make money um fortunately victory has turned into a really big success we're starting to do live shows now we we sold out you know a venue last week and we're going to new york to a thousand seat thing so that's kind of surreal but it's not really why i want to do it um I, you know, wanted to find a creative outlet during the pandemic. There was not much to do. I wrote a couple of scripts while I was sitting here, but there was no production really happening. So I was looking for something to do. And I just found that I really like it. You know, my I started in stand up comedy 30 years ago. And uh, that was not something I liked because I didn't I, I didn't like the anxiety of it. So this kind of lets me do that in a certain way. But I don't really have you know, hecklers. And when I get them, I can respond uh, the way I want to. So it's nice.
1: Yeah. Or if somebody leaves you a nasty review on Apple podcast, I've heard you guys, all of you guys talk about that at length, which I find hilarious, by the way, you you can call them out on the air or just kind of go, why would somebody like, that's the age that we live in where somebody can take their grievances to the internet and just say whatever, the heck yeah. they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a sad insane. thing. And
0: Apple doesn't fucking monitor them. And the truth is with Hollywood ways, I mean, you know, I see just blatant outright racism, you know, like the fact yeah. that I'm doing a podcast with an African-American woman. I mean, people are just like, you're woke. You're this. No, I'm not fucking woke. I've fucking been, you know, a person who, uh, wants to respect all peoples and always have been. And, you know, some people say, well, entourage already said this and already said that number one, he was a character. Number two, he wasn't really a racist or anything. And yeah, words do matter, but uh, content and context matters as well. Um, But uh, it's, you know, it's the world we're living in right now is a world where, where I think part of it's really fortunate. Someone like you can go, someone like me can go start a radio show. That's something I always wanted to do, but would never be able to. But there's also this whole world of, people who are just such miserable, angry people that want to just cause whatever chaos they can. And, you know, it's it's working to a large degree, you know?
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. And that is the thing. Like, you know, our show has been on for a while and we've had the fortunate to be able to talk to a lot of people like yourself and just we're not monitored by an industry like a network or something like that, which I kind of want to talk about some of that a little bit. But before I completely rabbit trail here, I do want to talk about victory, the podcast, which was the first one that's with you and the two Kevins, uh, Kevin Conley and Kevin Dillon, who were in entourage. And this is part of a larger conglomerate action park media that Kevin, Conley started, uh, essentially, probably with other people too, but this thing had to have just been a, a massive juggernaut from the start because people loved the show, and of course, you know, there's all the reboot stuff that you talk about a lot. So I know you get that in a lot of interviews, I'm sure, but this podcast, really, you do talk to a lot of entertaining people. You had Charlie Sheen on. Those episodes were just extremely fascinating talking to somebody like that who's been in the business for years and then you do dissect episodes of the show. So this is kind of an extension of what the television show was. And you kind of give people behind the scenes stories and yeah. let people in on, you know, some things that we might not be aware of as the common viewer.
0: Yeah. And I think you also, you get the idea very clearly about the friendships that were formed on this show and that have lasted for 20 years, which are what the show was about. and And based on my childhood experiences and my friend's, and now it's just um, gone on with these guys. So, you know, Connolly started this company actually by himself. It's all him. And, uh, you know, he said, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, not really, because I didn't even really understand what it was. But now we just have a great time. It's the three of us just hanging out. And we're, you know, again, of course, we're talking entourage, but we talk about everything from what our daily lives are and try to give as, as funny and entertaining stories as possible. And it's been amazing the way it's been received. I think we're uh, about to hit seven or eight million downloads for, you know, we're about wow. 15 months in. Um, and, you know, with no promotion, no financial thing, which I think is what's, as, as I said, for you and for others out there to be able to do this and Word of mouth can spread and and get something going that you don't need um, the big studios to determine whether you're going to be successful or not or decide what they want to put on or, or not. So
1: yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Bert Kreischer, just as a point, said something like that. He had a TV show that did okay. He didn't know what podcasting was really about. Somebody said you start a podcast, hire this company to get advertisers. And then the show came back to him and said, we want you to do another season. He said, no, that's not how this works anymore. Like, we are in a day and age of content creation. If you have a cell phone, um, you know, of course, your studio that you guys use, you've obviously invested a lot of time and money and things. But really, to start a show or anything is quite simple for anybody, really. If you have a smartphone, like, literally, you could start, not I can't compare anything to Entourage, but like something you could just easily no, do and but, put know, it up on YouTube. You know what?
0: You you could. You know, we had these guys in the office the other day. They're TikTok stars. They're called the, the North Star Boys. And they're very influenced and inspired by Entourage. So is the Friday Night Beers guys who have an Instagram So These North Star Boys guys, they have 35 million uh, followers, I think, on TikTok. And Friday Night Beers has millions on Instagram. Um, and they're just creating Content that they find funny. And, um I, you know, I love it because, um again, we, we hate the idea of all the assholes who are out there with a microphone now, but there's really a lot of creative people that would have never had a shot to be seen or heard that don't need the traditional, you know, media to, to embrace them. So I think that's great. I mean, even Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan would probably have a big problem if he was on, you know, Fox or ABC News. You <laughs> yes. know? So um, and, and, and in the meantime, he's got the biggest podcast in the world. So um, I think it is freedom of speech is a important, but B, it's the idea that there's not, you know, less than 250 people on the planet Earth who are going to ter- determine what gets seen by the larger crowd. So,
1: yeah, especially when you look at what's on television today or what gets rebooted or revived, whatever the case might be. It's interesting because some of these shows can be really good and some of them you're kind of like, why? I saw something, I don't know if you posted or somebody posted it about a Lost Boys, potential Lost Boys reboot and things like that and it's like... I don't know why you would want to do that, but I don't know. I'm not the one with the pockets making the decisions well, I mean, and you know, deciding. There's a, there's a
0: very simple reason you'd want to do that is is money. And the fact yeah. of the matter is, is that audiences like what's familiar. And if they can see that they can come back to something they once loved, um, they'll do it. So, you know, I don't even want to judge that because I actually like the idea of great reboots that are done okay. well. Some aren't, some are, but the karate kid or uh, Cobra Kai. I mean, to me the show's better than the movie ever was, you know? And and, and I think, you know, I definitely tuned into it because it had impact on my childhood and I wanted to see what it, what it was, but um, it's like a great musician. They come out with albums. You want to see how they grow. And to me, you know, I want to see this Sopranos prequel, you know, more than I, more than I would probably want to see a random mafia movie you know, they'd have to convince me that that one was good. But this one, good or bad, I'm I'm going to watch it, you know. So I think there's both sides of the argument. But at the same time, you know, I, and I think the frustration that some people feel is like, oh, I don't have a chance with a new original idea. But you do now. And, you know, and even when I started 30 years ago, I made my own short films. I didn't wait around for anybody. And now you can do the, the stuff that I did, which took me a year and begging people for money. You could do the same things that I did for a few hundred dollars today in a couple of hours, you know? So I think there's no real excuses anymore to say, you know, I can't get in, I can't do this. And I, and I, we try to talk to people like that. Everyone thinks I need an agent. I need this. No, you don't. You need to hone your craft and get it out there in any way you can. And as you know, um, I don't even know. Are you verified? I don't even know like why. I re- no, I'm not. Yeah, I so. mean, I
1: haven't really like pursued that, but, but,
0: but I mean, I'm, I've I'm got- only asking that because I responded to you. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. 10 years ago, if you were calling my house, you'd never hear my voice. So for whatever no. reason, I picked your name and I said, yeah, you sound like an interesting guy. I'm happy to talk to you. So. This type of stuff would never happen, not for you and not for me. If there's people I reach out to, you know, like we got, you know, you're a Bay Area guy. I mean, you know, when we got DK Metcalf on the show, I'm just reaching out to him randomly going, hey, man, you know, and yeah, I have something maybe to offer him. But um, I think it's a really great time that people with some talent and some drive, can go do things without needing a lot of other help from people, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, even without a podcast, really, you know, and I don't think this would happen with anybody. But yeah, I appreciate you doing that. So I want to talk about a little bit of your technical stuff about writing and things, because you're very honest and transparent about that on your social media. You talk about the writer's room and putting a show together and, you know, even mentioning the fact that, they talk about you in books about writing scripts, Entourage, and this is how you do this and that, which I thought was is funny and entertaining, tongue-in-cheek, but you know, you're honest about it. So you've got this show, and, and you've talked a lot about it on interviews and things about how you kind of got to where you were, but just generally speaking, and I think people will find this very fascinating, like... What it And it's a pretty broad question, so, I mean, what it even takes to get a show written to begin with, like just to even come up with an idea, I imagine has to be, you know, come from some source of creativity. I know you mentioned Entourage talks a little bit about some stuff about your life and everybody's life, but when you're just sitting down to write, like, that has to be a massive undertaking to even try, because it doesn't just start with... You know, this is what we're going to do. I imagine. I don't know whatever your process might be. You know, I
0: mean, it's it's you know, and what I've talked about a lot is most writers like writer's block and I don't believe in writer's block at all. I believe in procrastination and time wasting, which a lot of writers and a lot of creative people are ADD, OCD, whatever, whatever those types of things are. So it requires um, a lot of effort and discipline just to get you to sit down and do that the work and when you do it i usually find that something comes out again i'm someone who's wasted years away that i haven't written when i should because it is such a um brain tangling mess when you really get into it and when you really are trying to to do something good which it may not be good anyway but the effort is really uh it, it is really what helps you get to a place where you hone that skill and for me especially now, I used to just write off the top of my head, which a lot of young writers do and just go, hey, this is what's in my head. And I don't want to be um, held back by structure or by any of the rules that people say. But the real truth is there really are. And there are simple three act structures that have been in place since Shakespeare and before. And um, I think for me, I don't like to write anything anymore that I don't really understand what the idea is. Um, because you can end up just going in circles and driving yourself nuts. So I think that the best thing that people can do is, you know, come up with an idea, really think about what it is, and write like one line about it, a paragraph about it, and then talk to their friends and go, hey, what do you think of this idea? They may say, well, I just saw that yesterday here. Or they may say, wow, that sounds interesting. Or they may say it sounds familiar, and the person like me, can go, yeah, but it's going to be how I execute it because that's what really does matter at the end of the day. I mean, Entourage, when when Mark Wahlberg and, and his partner came to me about that show, I was like, I don't want to write a show about a bunch of losers who follow around a movie star. It just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't I- inspire me. And I didn't have a job at the time or any reason to do anything but say like to Mark Wahlberg, whatever you say, I'm in. But that's always how I've been. I really need to, to grab onto something and find what I thought. And what, what made sense to me about Entourage was a show about friendship, a show about guys who were fish out of water, me, New Yorkers, who were in this town that I look at as kind of a, a, a joke and a bunch of phony assholes. And, and how do people who like to consider themselves authentic, uh, how do they navigate that? And that that's really what the show is about. So, Anytime, you know, when people criticize, oh, Vince gets the movie, that wasn't, it doesn't matter. It was like, it wasn't about that. It was about the interactions between these guys, which you either liked or you didn't like, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I I think the show was way more than just that, you know. Of course, we're rooting for him as a character in any situation, but really the subcontext and the subtext is really just about relationships and how people get along and four guys living together and one guy who has an amazing career and struggles a little and another guy who had a career and now is trying to become relevant again. And then, and that's, I think, you know, cause I recently rewatched it, you know, over the summertime when I had the time to do it. And so just kind of delving in a little bit more and really understanding I think that was the beauty of that show, and that's what makes it, you know, fun. So, you, do you do you like to write, like as a, just a general rule, or is no. it something you don't? I've heard a lot of writers say that. Yeah, no, so. I, I
0: I actually hate it, which is um, it's a shame because you know, I mean, I was just talking about that with a writer friend of mine. You know, when you find, you know, it was it was it's a cliche, and and they used it in one of my favorite movies, *Flamingo Kid*. But the truth is, is you f- find something you're good at find something you love. If they're the same thing, you're blessed, you know, and um, the things I always loved were music and sports. And there was no way for me to make a living in either of those things. And, um, you know, like I said, this podcasting thing, which whether there can be real money in it or not, who knows? But I actually love this, you know, a lot more than I love writing and a lot more than I love dealing with all of the stuff that you have to deal with to get a, a show made, because Whoever you are, the best writer on the planet, you need a lot of people and a lot of breaks to make a show work. You need to find the right cast. You need to find the right producers. And, uh, you know, that there's a lot of things that, that fall into place with that, where... Like a stand-up comic, a podcast is really, for the most part, is about you or the host and uh, and, and and whether people are going to find you interesting enough to listen to. So I do like that. Um, and writing has always been a struggle for me, but uh, especially once I really learned what the skill was, you know, because I used to write just off the top of my head like I do a podcast. That was fun. But once I started realizing, wow, this sucks and doesn't go anywhere and there's no story and there's no turns. Um, but I've always been, I believe, fortunate enough to write dialogue very easily. But structure and story are always like where the key is that's going to separate, you know, a good film or a TV show from a bad one, you know?
1: Yeah, so I imagine when you're doing a show like Entourage, because essentially a season takes place over a week or a weekend. So, you know, if you watch the show closely enough, you get that, right? (laughs) Because it's like okay, yeah, this isn't like linear. It's like this is a week in the life of. Yeah. So you're constantly just jamming writing, and I'm sure you had a bunch of writers, because when I watch episodes, I see written by Doug Ellen or written by Doug Ellen and or just written by. I mean, that just has to be an intense lifestyle. You're just always writing all the time because like you have to keep things going and remember. I mean, you have your show Bible, I'm sure, where you're keeping track now- of... No show Bible. Okay. Not on entourage.
0: The wire they did, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, okay. That's why there's things that change on entourage. People have more kids than they did at one point, or, or, <laughs> okay. or Vincent Drama have once upon a time they had the same father, then they had the same mother. I mean, you know, um
1: that's funny. <laughs> I was
0: I was very obsessive as the scripts ended. When a script ended, and the reason it is like that, which I don't even know any other way to do it, which you know i don't like time jumps i like to like you know i'm very into the minutia and very into what happens at the next moment which you know whether it's a mistake or not i don't know but you know i tried to write that show as quick and i don't mean write quickly but make the show feel as quick and as real and as and and just as in the moment as possible so that's kind of how i i mean i would end an episode and go okay so we just ended there we got to start there um Definitely not the way a lot of people would do it, but that's that's how it went.
1: That's funny. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch now and just see what, just for fun. As a
0: well, You'll see a lot of fuck ups. Consumer
1: you know. of, of entertainment. So that makes me ask the question, when you wrote the last episode of the last season, and we essentially get what I feel was a cliffhanger, was that intentional? Like knowing, okay, we might come back and revisit this? Later down the road, no. or was it just kind of like, no. this is how we're ending it? I
0: mean, <laughs> okay. Again, whatever anyone thinks about the ending or not. I mean, every season, I used to put so much pressure on myself, like this was the last episode. And uh, I really actually do. I love all our finales. I think we really delivered every, oh, yeah. every single one of them. Some people say otherwise, but whatever. But, um, you know, when the show was over, I thought the show was over. I thought the show was over every season. When we finished, I was like, all right, that's it. And then, you know, HBO would call and go, okay, one more. And I go, fuck, what am I going to do now? You know, and um, (laughs) okay, and, uh, you know, when the movie happened, I didn't really want to do the movie. I mean, I wanted the money. Who doesn't? But I didn't really want to do the movie. I just didn't think. um, I I mean, I would have preferred to do another season, but you know, it, it all started coming together and you got Warner brothers and Mark's calling me like, we're going to do, we're going to do a cartoon. We're going to do an opera. We're going to do everything. You got to do this. So, um, you know, you, you, you come back in and you take it as a job and you go, how can I make this good again? How can I get back into these characters and, and and try to make people interested in what they're doing? You know?
1: Yeah. And I think honestly you probably could do if Entourage had not come about when it did, I think even today, if this was like something brand new, I think it would do just as well and play just as well because I mean, although there were certain markers in the show and in your writing that were time sensitive or evergreen, I think even today now there would be plenty of topics yeah, to talk I mean, about. If, that, if, not even a reboot, just yeah, like if you started it yeah, today. That conversation
0: comes up all the time, which is like, I'm sure. What, what can you, you know, how could you do this show? It's so, it's so ridiculous. I mean, And by the way, Entourage was tame. Go watch the O.C., which was on Fox. There's more. sex. Oh, my God. And and again, I like the O.C., but more homophobic comments, more sex. And these are teenagers they're talking about. So I don't you know, I look back at Entourage and go, why Ari wouldn't speak the way he spoke because he'd be fired. So he would figure out his new way to be his aggressive self because. He's out there. It's based on a real character. And and even the real Ari himself used to say that the fake Ari was tame next to him. And, you know, and and Mark used to tell me that Vince was tame next to the lifestyle he was living. So um, what I reflected and I feel very proud and confident about it was that was Hollywood in that time. And those guys were talking like guys I knew for better or for worse. Now, we all evolve. And, and that's why I say it's not about being PC there's things you start to learn that you go, huh, you know what? I don't really need to say that. Like, you know, I mean, the president of Fox called me up and we talked about it on the podcast, but season two, long before, you know, uh, social justice and all this stuff. And he asked me not to use the word retarded anymore. And I was like, why? And he explained to me that, you know, there's a lot of autistic kids out there and and like, you know, it's a really sensitive subject for a lot of parents and a lot of people. And I, thought about it. And I was like, I'll never say it again, because I don't need to. But the way I grew up, that was a word that was just used to, to just pick on people that you were friends with. And while it sounds now stupid, and hopefully 15 years from now, it will be like, if you say that to someone, you'd be like, Oh, why would you say that? You know, but back then, Nobody thought that it just it wasn't it wasn't meant to be that hurtful. So I think the world can grow and expand and people still can be funny without necessarily sliding a large group of people for no reason other than to get a laugh. So I, I, I don't think it's uh, something that I think any comedian should really be worried about. You either adapt or you die. It's just that simple. I mean, Eddie Murphy, who is my favorite comedian, probably of all time go watch raw and go watch delirious. And you'll go, Whoa, Whoa, what's he saying? But that was considered genius then by everybody. Like nobody was debating it. So times change, people evolve. And and that's a good thing for the most part. Some of the, as we just discussed some of the, you know, attacks on people for, for words that aren't intended to hurt people. That to me is just, you know, bad jokes are bad jokes. And you can say, I'm not going to watch this guy, but to try to like, cancel people because they wrote what they thought was a joke that you didn't like is, you know, it's just stupid, but
1: yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like you laughed at it five years ago and thought it was great. And now I I love
0: that. I mean, the New York times, you know, called (laughs) us the best and smartest show on television and we were nominated for Emmys and uh, Obama's favorite show was entourage. He's quoted as saying it. And now, you know, it it really, it's, I feel like it's turned the corner now. I mean, I have all these young, all my friends, kids now loving the show and nobody calls up and goes, what the fuck was that? Like, I can't believe he said that. So it's a small group of people like Hollywood that control a certain narrative. And I'm not trying to get political because the right sucks no. and the left sucks. They're both horrible and they both will will jump on whatever they can to destroy whatever they can to keep whatever they have. But um, I I don't look at that. And I think it's Funny who gets to decide that, and I love The Sopranos, but who gets to decide that The Sopranos is a great work of art dealing with a father who, who you know, murders his son's friends or beats them up or does whatever. Um, It was no more realistic. The Sopranos was no, and I grew up where The Sopranos happened. I know those characters. And it's no more realistic than Entourage was. It really isn't. Now, you could like the show better. It could entertain you more or whatever, but the nonsense of, Going back and going, let's look what they said in 1978. This is, I mean, it's craziness, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with uh, D Schneider the other day about free speech and about cancel culture, and even himself, now that he's on his own and writing music, finding himself going, can I say this or can I not say this, you know? Which for him, those guys were the pioneers of free speech and have constantly he's been constantly battling that which he's a great guest by the way very entertaining to talk I to. to i mean um, you know it's
0: it's you're you're fucked when you're going can i say this or can yeah. i not say this and if you don't know what to some degree what the right thing is and again anybody can twist your words i said on some interview that like do you want to apologize for entourage? i was like go fuck yourself i don't have a, sh- a goddamn thing to <laughs> apologize for You know, I had all by the way, all female executives read every word that came through those pages and went out and almost universally our reviews were good and the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild nominated us for awards. So for these assholes to try to turn that around and erase a narrative of history, again, it's a small group of people with a loud microphone. And the shame of it is papers like The New York Times have jumped in on that narrative and, um, and they don't even get there doing it, you know, like they're supposed to be the free speech people. And um, of course it can monitor if someone wants to come out and say something really insane, like, oh, these people don't deserve a chance because they're different. Okay. Then you can jump on people for saying stuff. But when people make jokes, again, laugh at them or don't laugh at them, but don't, Take it, you know, and also this is not that new. You know, I was just watching uh, Dice Clay, who's a good friend of mine. and was on the show. I mean, he was being canceled 30 years ago. Lenny Bruce was being canceled 50 years ago. So this does happen periodically. And then everyone acts like it is. The difference now is, is that there's this relentless social media and press that will continue to just go after people um, for things that in a lot of cases are pretty slight, you know.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. Well, I want to ask one more question and wrap up. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're a busy guy. What are some lessons learned along the way, whether it be with the podcast, the television show, or just overall in your 30 plus year career as a creative and an artist? Well, they're all the
0: same. And it is get a focus of what you want to do and, and really take it seriously like it's a job and go at it every day, even when you're not getting paid, even when nobody's telling you you're good at it. If that's what you want to do, you really got to grind and grind every day. As far as podcasts and making content, just do it. You know, there's no excuses anymore. It's like, you know, get your fucking phone and write something down. Find some people who can act if it's not you and, and make content, you know. Um, and I, I think it's it's a great time to be creative. Um, I wouldn't worry about all the canceled culture bullshit. I, I think smart people, hopefully, you um, are all on the same page of that, you know, uh, social justice is important and including everybody is important, you know, but that's not to say that just randomly, uh, ostracizing anybody is the right way to go about that. So, um, you know, that's it.
1: I love it. Well, we are chatting with Doug Ellen the creator of Entourage who also has two fantastic podcasts that are available everywhere. Hollywood Ways with uh, Actor and uh, Creative Breezy. And, of course, Victory the Podcast with Kevin Conley and Kevin Dillon. Again, these shows are available anywhere you listen. We will link them in our show notes. This has been a lot of fun. Doug, thanks Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Take care.
0: Have a good Sunday. I'm going to go watch some bad football games.
1: That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by.